And one, one last order of business, I'd love this morning to introduce to you Dr. Galen Clonch. Dr. Clonch serves the North Texas District as our superintendent. He's been in that, not in that particular office, but at the district office for the last 16 years. Just a, a man after God's own heart. And I know that he has a word for us today. So would you one more time put your hands together and give a Cleveland welcome to Dr. Galen Clonch. Thank you so much. What an honor it is to be with you today on this wonderful, wonderful celebration. You know, Pastor, you said that you, your goal was to uh, hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You go out there and stand for about two hours this afternoon in the heat, and you might hear him say that. You know, <laughs> before you get to heaven. Did y'all get that? Is that over your head? Flip a steak, you know. Well, the few weeks ago, a couple of months ago, I was with your pastor in a meeting, and I just was thinking about the invitation uh, to be with you this morning. And so I told him, I said, uh, well, I'll be seeing you, uh, you know, end of July. And he looked at me kind of funny, and then I thought, uh-oh, maybe he doesn't know about that yet. And so I said something like, well, I, I can't remember something like that, you know. I'll see you sometime. And uh, he looked, the way he looked at me, I thought, I may have let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> but uh, what an honor to be on this celebration. And uh, I want to say to you from the very depths of my heart how much I love and esteem your pastor and his wife. Having worked with him in the district office with our men's ministry, I've never seen anybody that has such a heart for serving other people than your pastor has. He's worked with our men's ministry there. He has led our disaster relief in so many occasions where there were uh, major storms, and he's rallied the team along with our men's director, Robert Kennedy, and they have gone and served and served and served when I knew that he had his hands full in a great church like this, and, uh, and uh, I just admire that. And he has been a friend. He has been a positive leader. He's a pastor to pastors. And I just think that uh, on behalf of our entire district, how I could say to you thank you for being the man you are, for being the pastor you are, the man of God you are. Uh, before, you're a man, before you're a pastor, you're a man of God. And I admire you, and I, and I love you, and I want you to know that I mean for that from the depths of my heart. And also on behalf of our presbytery, on behalf of our leadership, and all of our men that's, that are part of our men's ministry, we want to say happy 30th anniversary to you and Sheila. May God richly bless you today. It is wonderful. Praise the Lord. I want to speak to you just a few moments because I know there's a lot to be done yet today, but I want to speak to you on this subject, the gift that just keeps on giving. That's the way I kind of think about pastors who serve in the way that Pastor Mike Mizell has served you for these last 30 years, the gift that just keeps on giving. 
I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 4, and um, beginning in verse number 7, and I may skip a little bit through here, but to lay the foundation biblically for this. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Every believer has been gifted by Christ to serve in his kingdom. Amen? We all have a gift. We all, it may be multiple gifts that we're to use for the kingdom of God. Drop down to verse 11. And he himself, himself, this is something that he has done, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And sometimes pastors and teachers are put together because that's what the pastor is. He's the, he the senior theologian of the church. He's the primary teacher along with many others of you. Notice what these gifts, these people gifts in the church have been given by Christ to accomplish. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints. That is probably his first challenge and as a pastor is to equip you, the saints, and then for, for the work of the ministry. How many of you know the pastor can't get it all done by himself? He's got to have people who are equipped. Some come in and don't know what their, their abilities are or what their gifts are, but as the pastor teaches the Word of God, lives out the life before you, then he helps us to begin to be equipped for the work of the ministry. Now, when he has equipped the, the people, you, and that ministry begins to happen, then the next part of this takes place, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Isn't that amazing? So this church grows not because of just one, but as we all use our gifts for the glory of God. And so the body, the body of Christ, when we gather here on Sunday like we are today, this is the family. This is the body of Christ coming together to be refreshed and renewed and restored. And yes, in these times, we believe for God to touch lost people to come to Christ and some other things to happen as Jesus ministers to his body. And we'll see what he does this morning before we leave. And then it says, until we all come to the unity of faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to be a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Well, there's more to read there, but I'm going to stop at that point just for a moment. So this is the plan that God has placed in the body of Christ. 30 years, that's not very common. We did have one pastor that if you added up his ministry as a staff member, and then as a pastor of the church, he spent 58 years. And we just had his funeral this last Wednesday, Brother E. Wayne Hanks. 58 years. That's a long time. But 30 years is a remarkable, a remarkable goal. Amen? I mean, that is so, that is so wonderful. And I want to talk to you a little bit about your pastor. Because your pastors are the gift of Christ to this church. Maybe you haven't thought of them in that way, but that's exactly what happened in 1993. In 1993, God knew 
what was going to happen 30 years later and more. But he also knew who needed to be here in order to move this church from just a small, wonderful group to becoming a larger, powerful church. And I know the influence you have in this community is because you have made yourself available to reach this community through feeding and all the other things that you do. Christ gave you the gift of Mike and Sheila Mizell. It was his choice. It was his decision to place them here in Cleburne and to establish this great church in its future. Let me ask you this. Have, could I have just a tad monitor up here and uh, maybe I won't push quite so hard. I got a built. <laughs> have you ever received a gift that you didn't particularly like? Have you? You know, and, and you open the package and and there there it is and but what do you gotta do? You gotta act like you like it, right? And then you wait till the next time and you pass it on. <laughs> you know, you just pass it on to somebody else. And uh, but it's not what you really wanted. Have you ever received a gift that you really didn't want? Man, it is great and wonderful. Well, let me tell you that Jesus Christ knew exactly what this church needed when he gave you your pastors. You see, he knew the gift package that is in Mike and Sheila Mizell. He knew the gifts that would work with this community and with this church. And Jesus matched it up, and it was right. And it has been right now for 30 years as he has poured into your lives. I thought Derek did an incredible job this morning. And I tell you... <laughs> When I saw the shirt, I thought, well, something's up here, you know. <laughs> so that was, that was great. That was great. That's going to cost you some time. I'm going to tell you, though, it's going to cost you. But when Christ gives a gift to the church, places them, and you, by the way, let me just go ahead and tell you this, he's also placed you here. He has called you to this body. He's called you to serve here. And you know when you walk into a church and you feel like, I've found my home. I'm where I need to be. Somebody may be here this morning watching online or present today that this is your first exposure to be at this church, and yet you're already feeling like, you know, I kind of like this place, and I think this feels like home. And let me just encourage you to get involved and become a part. So you're here as the gift of Christ. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about him. James chapter 1, verse 17 and 18 it says that every good gift and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So there's just three things I want to tell you about the gift of your pastor. First of all, pastors are Christ's gift to the local church. Well, I've basically been saying that already. Again, in Ephesians 4.11, and he himself gave the giving of a gift. He gave. This is something that is not human in choice, although often the church, we have elections and we vote. But when a church is really healthy and it's considering a pastor, it's going to pray. It's going to pray as God. Lord, is this the person that you want to serve our church? Is this the person to be our shepherd? The word pastor comes from the Greek word poimen, which means pastor. And so it's very 
appropriate that we have this today. He gave some to be, there's five there, and we're going to talk about the pastor. To me, one of the highest things that anyone can do in the ministry, though I appreciate evangelists and missionaries and youth pastors and children's pastors and all the other ministries that are needed in the church, I think that the fundamental pastor for the fundamental ministry is the pastor of the local church. I will tell you that is not easy today. We have a lot of pastors that are giving up and they're quitting because it is not easy to be a pastor in the day in which we're living. With all of the cultural situations that are going on and all the challenges, it's not easy. But it is Christ's gift. That's why I believe in respecting the pastor, honoring the pastor. Pastors are not perfect. I was a pastor for almost 30 years, and I certainly wasn't perfect. But God has called and placed, and we need to honor. And that's exactly what you're doing today. And I am so proud of you for honoring your pastor on this special 30th anniversary. These verses are very, very important when we consider what is happening here today. These are people gifts that Jesus has given. You know, when God calls, when those of us who are called into full-time ministry, when that happens, it's really an amazing thing because it's not a matter of we deserved it. <laughs> you know, God, you really got a deal when you got me. I was called to preach when I was 18 years old, and I had no idea it was coming. It was out of the blue whenever I felt the call of God. I was out of high school and ready for college, and I uh, was born right in the middle of the Vietnam War. I had to register as, a, you know, the draft was going on, and I had no idea how serious that thing was. But when I was in church one night, the Holy Spirit, I was the church service was over, and I was sitting near the back of the auditorium. I'd already been to the altar to pray, which we always did in our church, and we was just sitting there whenever suddenly I knew that I was called to be a preacher. It wasn't all that emotional, but I suddenly knew it. I, and I went and found my pastor, and I told him, I said, uh, Brother Gillock, I believe God has called me to preach. And I thought maybe he would just do a backflip when he found out I was called to preach, you know. just And then uh, he patted me on the shoulders and well, gave him, that's just wonderful. And I wanted to say, no, you don't understand. My life just changed. God just called me to preach. Well, he was a great supporter in ministry. But it, it's something that is sovereignly chosen by God. It doesn't mean that we're more important than anybody else, but it means that our assignment has got a lot of importance to it. And I think that pastors today, you know, when I was a pastor for 30 years, that's what I thought I would do. I wanted to still be in, in pastoral ministry for the rest of my life. And then God changed my assignment. Remember, let me tell you something about the call of God. Your call never changes, but your assignment might change. And God called me to a new assignment, which was the district. And I found out then I was pastoring missionaries and pastoring pastors. So that's my congregation right now. But all I'm doing is what he called me to do, and that is to be a pastor. Christ places pastors in the place where they can lead the sheep. They can lead the congregation by the skill and the development of the abilities and the gifts that God has placed within them. So there's a special relationship with the pastor and the church as the, as the shepherd that Christ has placed 
over you to serve you during these last 30 years. And out of that, you have learned to love and appreciate and make fun of him. <laughs> I had to throw that in. Secondly, let me tell you that pastors are, a biblical term here, they are under shepherds of the great shepherd. They're under shepherds of the great shepherd. Our ability to lead depends upon our ability to follow the shepherd. And how many times do pastors face challenges and face, how do we get it done? Building programs are issues that uh, help us reach the community. And the pastor goes and lingers with the great shepherd. Lord, how do we do this? As a matter of fact, I've been at this for a while, and I still yesterday spent the day almost all day on about, about something. I need the guidance of the great shepherd because we're under shepherds. We are accountable to him. He is the one who has called us and placed us, but he never wants us to do it without him. He never wants us to try to, to assume that we have the wisdom. We need his wisdom. And so we say, God, how do, what do you want to do? Jesus is called, how many of you know that Jesus is called the good shepherd? He said, I lay down my life for the sheep. And we are called to be under shepherds for his love. We are serving as a pastor in, in the stead of Christ. He has placed men. As he ascended back to the Father, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And then he began to call and place men and women, in my opinion, in places of leadership and ministry. He said in, in, in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, I, I, love, I love the gender, next generation of young people that are coming up. I love the fact that God is raising up young people that are so passionate and so zealous for the ministry. And, and, and children, we had 900 children at camp this last week, 900. And you know what was happening? God's going to call some of those kids into the ministry. And then he's going to call some of the youth that were there the weeks before into the ministry. And that's because people who've been called by God are ministering to those kids and helping them discover what God wants them to do. And so you and I, we are, we are dependent upon the great shepherd of the church and asking him, what do you want us to do? Pastors, again, equip the saints, and we teach them. We walk with them. You know, uh, some... I, I have been doing something the last two years, and uh, we got to participate in this pretty late ride down here in this pink dress. Uh, I've been going to the kids' camps, and the, during each one of those kids' camps, one day I take in each one of them, and I go it and do a devotion, and after I do a devotion, I, they're all leaders, kids' pastors, and and uh, leaders on the kids' teams, and I say, you know what I'd like for you to do? I'd like for you to take a 10-minute golf cart ride with me. And I just want to talk to you about what's important to you. And so, after we finish the devotion, they sign up for golf cart rides, and I get out, and we go through this route. We go around the camp, and we start off, and I say, what's important to you? And we just let them start talking. I did 17 of them Friday. It's wonderful. Seven, about 10 minutes, maybe 11 minutes, and say to them, when we pull out, I say, what do you want to talk about? And they start talking about issues in their lives, 
And it gets real heavy real quick because we don't have any, you know, any uh, extra time. And just just listening and just speaking into their hearts and saying, what, well, this, what would you do about this? How would you handle this? And to be able to say to them, this is what I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to me to do. We all are nurturing other people. We are all under shepherds. We are all helping others to know how to handle situations that are in their lives. You know, the pastor, I better get back to that because it's about to wander off here on another track. I love to go back to the 23rd Psalm when I talk about shepherds. And I just want to refer to a couple of things here. The shepherd and the way that the shepherd is called to serve the flock, the body of Christ. You know, in some countries, sheep are raised for, for their meat. I've never had mutton. I don't know what it tastes like. It doesn't sound good to me. <laughs> you might like it, you know. But uh, so they'll raise a flock, and then it goes to, to slaughter in the, for, the, for the meat. But other countries, such as Israel, also raises sheep for their wool. And so they'll keep that flock for a long time. And they will shear it, and then the next you know, a few months it'll grow again. And so a shepherd that has a flock that is being used for wool gets really acquainted with those sheep. As a matter of fact, shepherds have pet names for, for their sheep. Kind of like you probably have pet names for your grandkids. Or you had pet names for your kids. And it's just one of those things. And, and so there's some sheep that are real snuggly. Sheep will kind of get up close to your leg and, and they just walk real close to you. And there's, there's others that are a little more contentious. And they get out in the flock and they kind of start batting heads, you know. And, uh, and sometimes the shepherd's got to come out and he, he's got to break up the fight. It kind of sounds like church, doesn't it? <laughs> not, not this church, not this church. And the shepherd's responsible for getting them to the green pastures for, for the food and still waters because sheep can't drink from running water, so they have to be by still waters. And then the Bible says uh, in the 23rd Psalm, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And the staff, you know, you've seen the little hook staff, and, and it's kind of used to pull the sheep back or maybe help them lift up if they stepped off of a little low place. The rod is, an, is, a, is a weapon. And the rod is something that he can use. That, just like he uses the, the rock and the sling, the shepherd can use the rod. And he can throw that thing and he can hit a predator that might be there. But he also does something else with the rod. The rod is also used in a very special way, and that is that as the shepherd knows the sheep, and he knows what, you know, he knows the names of all those sheep. He's got little pet names for them, you know. You little angel, you're so sweet. You little hardhead. I don't know. I didn't think of all these names. But the shepherd, as he's going among the sheep, he will take the rod and he will tap each sheep on the head. And they get used to the touch of the shepherd's staff. As a matter of fact, when storms come and the lightning and the thunder begin to flash and the sheep begin to get nervous, the shepherd just walks around among the sheep and he taps them on the head and they recognize the touch of the shepherd and he starts talking to them. It's going to be all right. Everything, and he just speaks to them. How many of you know there's times when you and I are in a storm and we're going through trouble, but the shepherd just has a way of touching your soul and letting you know it's going to be all right? 
that God's with you because as you serve the Lord, you get used to the shepherd's voice and you get used to his sweetness and you get used to his love and his mercy. How many of you are glad when the shepherd just touches your life and he lets you know everything's going to be okay and you don't even understand how it works, but, but he loves us. The shepherd is important. He anointeth my head with oil, it says, because sheep get a mange. And they'll start rubbing their heads together, and they'll pass that, that infection around through the flock. And if the shepherd doesn't treat it, then there can be some real serious issues. And so he said, he anointeth my head with oil. And then there's one that I want to talk to you about just for a moment. I wish I could go through the whole 23rd Psalm, but I won't. But there's one that says, He restoreth my soul. What that refers to is something that is called a cast sheep. A cast sheep is a sheep that its wool has grown very thick. And it's got manure and it's got thorns in it and it's mud and it's just kind of heavy before it's shorn. And so it is possible for one of these sheep to get into a place where it's not even, maybe a little bit of a ravine, a ravine and the sheep, because it's, it's kind of top-heavy, it can slip over and roll over on its back. And because it's heavy, it cannot get up. Now, it's a dangerous place for a sheep. Because uh, there are predators that are out there that could take advantage of the sheep because it is vulnerable. And then if it's cool weather, the sheep might live a few extra days. But if it's hot weather like this, then the gases build up in the body and the sheep can perish much more quickly. Now, how do you deal with a sheep like this? Well, it is what David's referring to when he said, He restoreth my soul. Because the shepherd goes to look for the sheep, and he finds the sheep rolled over in this vulnerable place in a ravine. And how does he help it? Well, the sheep cannot get back up. And I know this is kind of crude before lunch, but the gases have built up, and the sheep is in trouble. So the shepherd has to get down, and he has to start talking because the sheep is, is, is nervous. The sheep knows something's wrong. And so the shepherd begins to talk to the sheep. He says, you little outfit, how'd you get in this situation? What happened to you, you knucklehead? Why did you drop over and get in this place? While he's doing that, he starts massaging the sheep. And he begins to massage the legs on the sheep. And, and he begins to work his way around the sheep. And then he begins to massage the, the middle section of the sheep. And he's helping the sheep to... Get rid of the gases. All right, let's go on. And finally he gets the sheep where the sheep can be rolled back over and he can get the sheep out of the gutter and he can take off. What the, what the shepherd has done is he has restored the life of that sheep. He restoreth my soul. Every time I read that, I think about what Jesus did as the good shepherd for you and for me. Because we were in a mess and we were in trouble. Every one of us needed somebody to help us. And you know what? Jesus didn't look at us from a distance, but Jesus came right down here in the mess we were in. And you know what? He got his hands in your life, and he got his hands in mine. And he got right down where we were, 
He didn't hold back. He became one of us, and he began to deal with our life. He doesn't mind getting his hands into the manure and his hands into the, into the mud and into the thorns and in, until he has dealt with us in our lostness. <laughs> and he begins to help us until he can save us from our sin. He's a Jesus that gets in your mess. Whew. It doesn't matter how bad your situation is. I serve a Jesus that loves you enough. He's the good shepherd, and he'll come right down, and he'll get right into your problem, and he'll begin to speak peace and salvation into your heart. Isn't that beautiful? You know what? That's what a pastor does. How many times does the pastor sit in the office and let you unburden your heart in counseling? How many counseling sessions, I wonder, over these 30 years? As Mike Mizell said in that nobody, no one is ever going to know because it's confidential. How many of you know you can trust this man? He's not going to take what you tell him and come up here in the pulpit and tell everybody. You know, well, I was talking to Bill last week, and let me tell you what Bill's problems are. No, because he's a good shepherd. How many times has he got up in the middle of the night and gone to the hospital? because of a crisis, and stood there in your room and waited with you during a surgery? How many times has he helped you when you didn't know what to do when kids were in trouble and, and whenever there were other issues of life that I, I could go on for a while, but he was there for you? If I were to ask you if Pastor Mike Mizell has ministered to you in a crisis in your life and he's been there for you when you were in need, and you didn't know what else to do, I bet everybody in this room would stand up and say, he has touched my life. He's doing that as the good shepherd, as the under-shepherd of Jesus, and he's doing what Jesus would do. Your pastor is Jesus' hands extended. He is Jesus' hands extended to you, and he has, he has saved many people through redeeming the cast sheep, and protecting the flock. You know, a pastor has so many roles today. I did hear the, uh, the uncalled for mockery of you earlier. That as a young man, because of your dad's uh, speaking to you, that you could hatch, match, and dispatch. That's what we call it, hatch match, and dispatch. That's baby dedications, weddings, and funerals. Come on. I thought that'd be. That wasn't heavy theology. Boy, have I got stories. Not about him, about me. <laughs> and let me just say one more, one more thing. Pastors are the gatekeepers of the local church. They are the gatekeepers of the local church. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm making this brief. How did, how, did, how did you say he does that to shorten the message? I saw you messing around. I better leave that alone. Oh, in closing? Yeah, how many of those does he get? Three? Okay. This is my 
This is my first one. <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> a local church is in need of a protector. And you know what I know about Bethel Temple? You are a healthy church. And you have healthy leadership. And thank you for honoring your pastors today. That was just wonderful. And you have a healthy staff. And you have healthy uh, vision for the community. But churches need to have a, a, I would say, a guardian, a gatekeeper. You know, sheep, please don't be offended because I'd like to come back sometime. But natural sheep are not very smart. I didn't say anything about y'all. If you're laughing, you're guilty. Natural sheep, they'll stand out in a hailstorm. They don't know when to come in. The shepherd has to watch out for the sheep. But uh, for a church, sometimes... There has to be a diligent watchfulness that the enemy does not disturb the peace and the health of a church. You see, I've been at this long enough to know that sometimes, now your pastor did not tell me anything about anything. This is just me. So, But sometimes there are people that come into a church that have their own agenda. Are you okay with me preaching this just for a minute? They have their own agenda, and, and they'll come in, and sometimes they are very charismatic in personality, and they come in and get involved, and, and they start gathering a little group together, and it's not long before they've, they've got an unauthorized Bible study going, and, uh, and then they begin to try to move the church in their direction, and it can be a disturbing thing to the body of Christ. And, I, and I'm not trying to be negative today, but I'll, I'll tell you, it is a very healthy thing for the church when the shepherd of the church is a strong leader who can confront that and say, you know what, if you want to come here and cooperate with the church and you want to be a part of this body and be a healthy part of the body, we welcome you. But if you want to come in and try to disturb this body, then... Uh, we just want you to know that's, that's really not what we're looking for today. Now, I don't want you to be offended at me, folks, but I'm telling you, I thank God for a strong pastor who will stand up if there is a disturbance in the body of Christ. I remember one time in my church and I was pastoring in Oklahoma City that I got wind one day there was a lady, and she was going around to all the churches in the community, and she was giving them a prophetic word. Now, I value prophetic words, and I believe in it, but she was giving a very condemning message to these churches, so they told me, she said, maybe watching out for her, and she showed up one Sunday, and she started in the back. She started giving out a loud word, and, uh, man, I knew immediately that's not God, and I stopped her. I said, hold that. I said, please be quiet this moment. Uh, I'm lead I've got the anointing to lead this church, and so she stopped. 
and she didn't come back, and she didn't finish her message. Glory be to God. And one young lady who was the former pastor's granddaughter went home and told her grandpa, who's a dear friend of mine, she said, Grandpa, I think Pastor Clonch told God to shut up today. <laughs> and he explained to her. He said, no, he didn't tell God to shut up, but he did tell something else to shut up. You know? <laughs> but I appreciate a healthy church, but it has to stay healthy. And I'm just going to give you a couple of pieces of advice that, that, that the pastor did not ask for, but I'm going to share it with you. If somebody in this church wants to come your way and wants to start sharing gossip with you, boy, it got quiet. You know, how, you just stop it. Here's how you say, you, know, you say, you know what, I really don't want to talk about that. And they'll quit calling you and they'll start calling somebody else. If somebody comes up to you and says, you know, Pastor Mike, he's a good guy. You know, I like him, but, and then they say some little something there. You can stop that by saying, let me tell you something. I love my pastor. I pray for my pastor. I support my pastor. And uh, we're not going to discuss that. I'm just telling you, this is how you keep the church healthy. And if you have a question, his doors have opened to you, and you can talk to him, and I'll tell you what, it can get worked out. What I'm telling you is that a gatekeeper in the church is given by Jesus Christ. I've had people come into my church. This is my second closing. <coughs> I've had people come into my church and want to see me and say, Pastor, this is where I think our church needs to go. Hmm. Well, he hadn't told me that. And I want to tell you, God can give anointed leaders. He can give you a direction. He can give you a word. He can give you a thought that you could then bring to the pastor and say, Pastor, I don't know. What do you think about this? I, I think that maybe God spoke to me. But let me just tell the church this without equivocation. If God's going to lead this church in a particular way, that's the man he's going to talk to first. And then he may say, you know what, I think there's something to that. It may be an answer to prayer he's been praying for a while. But it's important that we honor and esteem God's gift to the church because this gift for 30 years has just kept on giving and kept on giving and kept on giving. And as long as he's here, he's going to continue to do that and his precious wife, Sheila. I believe that with all of my heart. Amen. All right, now I'm getting ready to pray. I'm going to turn, and, and uh, I want you to, just for a moment, we shift just for a moment. Uh, I don't know how you all do this, but if you have musicians and you want to come back up here uh, and just kind of play behind me for a moment. <sighs> Pastor and I spoke before the service, and uh, in just a little bit he'll come up and he'll uh, say what he would like to say, but we both talked about the fact that we always have altar services in our church, and that's another thing I appreciate about him. He's not ashamed to be Pentecostal. Amen. We're not going to push the Holy Spirit to the back room and be ashamed of it because we don't offend anybody. Church, we're going to be 
who we are. We are a spirit-filled Pentecostal church that believes in the moving of the Holy Spirit. And anytime the Holy Spirit wants to interrupt these services with his agenda, I'm stepping out of the way and I'm saying, come Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, hallelujah, because I still believe what this world needs is a present, a powerful presentation of who Jesus is. I still believe in signs and wonders. I still believe in miracles. I still believe Jesus does incredible things. And at Bethel Temple, his spirit is in this room. As Brent was opening this service, he talked about feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit in this room. And I feel it saturating through my body right now and through my spirit right now. We are not gathered here in a vacuum. We're not gathered here where nothing can happen. We're not gathered here just to hear words and leave. We're here to encounter the power of the Holy Spirit. Churches can, people can go into churches all over town and, and they can have a and they can worship experience and, and then there's no application for it. But I'm glad this church is on the map as a church that is reaching the community and that is alive. And when people come to this church, I want them to know they can get help. Come on. I want them to know they can be delivered from drug addiction and pornography and brokenness of life. I want him to know that he can put the marriage back together. He can bring their children home. And he can solve the issues and problems of life. Hallelujah. They don't care what the name is on the church. They don't care whether we're Assembly of God or whatever we are. They want to know when I go in there, can I get help? And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is here to help the needy. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So I, this morning, just before I give you my third conclusion, and, <laughs> and uh, Pastor, just, just, you know what? I didn't tell you what I was going to do. Just, I want to just play something about only believe or something about faith, healing, whatever you want. I didn't give you a warning, so. Or just hit a chord and we'll be fine. I've come today to celebrate this man, but I must obey the Spirit before I turn the service back to him. The power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is in this room in a heavy way right now. There's a Jesus here that can redeem from sin. I don't care how deep your sin is. Some people, the devil tells them, you sin too deeply, you sin too long, and there isn't any hope for you. But let me tell you, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I've come today to be a messenger of the power of God to you in this sanctuary and to tell you that Jesus is as real in this room, more real than me standing on this platform. He is here to do the work that he has called this church to do. And Pastor, I thank you for freedom to do what I'm going to do. But I believe that Jesus is here to touch people's lives. In the, in the, in the song, Victory in Jesus, the second verse talks about three kinds of healing. 
I want you to get ready because in a moment we're going to pray. Something's going to happen in this sanctuary that's not happening right now. Because you see, I believe in miracles. And I believe in healing. In that second verse it says, I heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing. That healing is spiritual. You may be here this morning and your walk with God is really not what it needs to be. And today the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart. You're one of those sheep that needs the shepherd to come down and just get his hands in your life and say, I've come to restore your soul. I've come to give you another chance. Don't keep going down the road you're going because it will lead to destruction. But I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We pray in just a moment, if you've not been exactly where you need to be with God, don't walk out of this sanctuary until you said, Jesus, please renew me. Please restore me. I've allowed some things in my life that are hindering me and they're, and they're destroying my life, but I want to get my heart back to you. And Jesus will meet you right here, right here this morning. In that verse, it goes on to say, I, I received, I, I, Heard about his healing of his cleansing power revealing how he made the lame to walk again and he caused the blind to see. I still believe he heals the sick. In just a moment, we're going to pray. And I believe this by faith. I believe this by faith that when we pray, there's some of you that have a physical infirmity right now and you've been needing to Receive the healing power of Jesus Christ. We'll see if he speaks specific areas, but he is the healer. And he will touch you. And when we pray, you will feel something happen to your body. That deaf ear can open as a result of prayer. That pain in your joint can be healed by the power of God. Folks, let me follow the Holy Ghost this morning. I believe God's people need to experience the real presence and power of the presence of Jesus. We're not just talking about a theological principle. We're talking about Jesus is alive. You have a physical infirmity. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something very simple. Lay your hand on your body and believe God. You may have some issues in your spine, and you're having problems in your spine today, and you have an issue. I think someone has an issue in your shoulder that is causing you a lot of pain. I'm telling you that the healer can touch that shoulder and unfreeze it, and it can be healed by the power of God. He can heal the problem with your eye. He can do far more. I could, I'm trying to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, but when we pray and we command the healing to take place, you will know in that moment he has done something for you. And then it says, and then I cried, dear Jesus, Come and heal my broken spirit. That's the deepest healing that Jesus does. When I call for people...
to come forward and testify of what God did for them. I don't always have those people come because sometimes the healing is very, very deep. Wounds and hurts of the past. But he can heal and restore your life. Y'all believe this? Y'all believe this? Oh, hallelujah. See, I have to obey God this morning. I know I wasn't preaching on healing in this service, but the healer's here. The Savior's here. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me all over this place? I want everybody to praise the Lord for just a moment. I want you to build your faith. I want you to have expectancy in this moment because God's going to move. God's going to move. Hallelujah, Jesus, I ask you to manifest your presence. I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit, who is said to go forth in signs and wonders, confirming the message of Jesus Christ, that in this sanctuary right now, some people who came this morning and weren't expecting something to happen, but it's about to happen, and you're going to be given the glory, all the glory, all the glory. Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah. All right, right now I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. This is just what God called me to do, and I just do it. I don't have to lay hands on you, but I'm going to pray the prayer of faith. And I want you to put your hand on your body if you need a physical healing. If you want to believe for someone else that's not here, you can believe for them, and God can touch them. If you need a restoration of your spiritual walk with Christ, make that decision today. And if you have an emotional pain, you need God to restore you. You're full of anxiety and depression, and it's getting worse, and you can hardly function. I'm telling you, he can break the yoke of depression off of your life. Are you ready for him to do it? Hallelujah. Just lay your hand on your body if you need him to touch you. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, we come to you because all power to do the works of the kingdom flow from you. We are not healers. We are not people that can do it in ourselves, but we can appeal to the Jesus who suffered on the cross, who bore the stripes for the healing of our bodies, that you will write today in this service. Manifest your power, oh Jesus. Manifest your healing anointing, your healing power. I pray for the sick. I pray for those who are discouraged. I pray for those who are away from God. I pray for those who are emotionally hurting today that you in this moment would release the power of the Holy Spirit and that you would do a mighty work. Do it now. Let them know something is happening right now. Something is happening right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You feel God touching you right now. Begin to praise him. Right now, you begin to feel the presence of the Lord. Begin to praise God. Hallelujah. He is touching you. He is touching you. His healing power is flowing in this room right now. Hallelujah. He's been waiting for you to be here, that in this moment you may receive his miracle working power in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Church, begin to worship God. Come on. 
Hallelujah. God, do it now. Do it now. Hallelujah. 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 We'll never forget what you did today on this 30th anniversary. How Jesus met us in this place. Some of you might be feeling a healing warmth going through your body right now. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. But I pray right now those joints to be re re be loose, that shoulder to be loosed. Hallelujah. Other infirmities you may have, they were there a moment ago, but they're not there now because the prayer of faith has been prayed and Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Folks, this is not about me. This is about Jesus. If someone knows God touched you just now and you felt God touch you and meet your need, I want you just to come and stand right down here. Come on. Because the next part of this is you need to declare what Jesus did for you. If you're in the balcony, don't, don't let that be a distance. Come on down those stairs and come and stand right here. Because I'm telling you, you're going to see. I don't care if it's 10, if it's 1, if it's 100. You're going to find out Jesus did something in this service just now. I want you to know he's real. His power is real. His anointing is real. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Just come and stand right down here. Oh, hallelujah. Let's worship God. Just keep, keep worshiping God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. You already know that God's done something for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Honey, what do you feel like God's doing for you? He's keeping you afloat. Honey, what God do? What's God doing for you? Praise God. Huh? Giving you strength in the middle of your storm. Wonderful. Hallelujah. He's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. What God do for you? Step over here so I want him to hear what God's doing.
of you know you don't make this stuff up? This is Jesus. And what he's touching these is to let you know he wants to touch you. What do you feel like God's done for you this morning? Anybody else? our superintendent. What a great leader he is, passionate about the things of God. I'm, I'm not going to, I just want to say once again, thank you, but I wanted to close out by doing, I like praying for this body as we dismiss. I know they've got things going on and hope you can stay for lunch because I don't want to take any of that home. I do talk about pie, I, <laughs> but I don't need pie. I love you all of my heart I'm glad that we're we are us if this is your first Sunday to be here your family you're part of us come grow with us let's keep doing the work of Jesus until he comes father today I love you I stand amazed at the wonder of it all that out of all the people you called into ministry you called me to task and you've been my strength 
And Lord, out of all the ones that could have come to Bethel, you called me and my family. And I'm thankful. I love this body. Lord, I love what they stand for. I love their heart and their passion. And Father, I pray a blessing upon every man, woman, boy, and girl that is here, those that are watching online. I speak life, health, and healing. Over every situation, I stand in agreement with Dr. Clanch. Lord, you who began a good work will be faithful to bring it to completion. And I pray, Father, that, Lord, that we, again, thank you for 30 years, but, Lord, we're not done. Lord, there's still people that need to hear Jesus. There are people that still need to see a tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I pray that you again would fan in the flame that which was within. And, Lord, that you would help us to dream again. Lord, our, give us dreams and visions, old men and young men. May we see, may we dream about what can happen as we continue walking in obedience. Lord, I ask your favor to rest upon every person in this building today, every person that's tuned in today. Give us a great day. Give us a great week. Lord, should you tarry, Lord, I pray we wake up with a spring in our step and a song in our heart. And Lord, help us to walk circumspectly with the awareness that we could be the answer to someone's prayer in those places that you will send us this week. Again, I bless each one in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much. I believe in Christ's Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is free and one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. I believe in you. I believe.
Thank you.